Hey there, and thanks for tuning in. We've been producing 360 Degree City for over two years now, and we want to hear from you to make the podcast even better. What do you like? What topics should we cover next? What don't you like? And from now until August 10th, head over to our show notes to fill out a short survey. You'll be entered for the chance to win a great Urbanist prize package from past podcast guests, including a beautiful print by Raymond Biesinger, multiple city-inspired books, and a city-builder mug, all worth over $300. Good data equals good decisions. And that means listening to expert opinion. But it also means broadening our definition of expert. Everything from having that hockey outdoor ice rink in your neighborhood to building a very expensive and very amazing public library are all acts of city building. Mm -hmm. Uh, Acts of community service are acts of city building. And no one should feel intimidated by that. I'm John Lewis, and you're listening to 360 Degree City, a podcast where we talk to people who are working to make cities better. Our hope is that after each episode, you'll start to see your own city from a slightly different angle. We've released over 40 episodes of 360 Degree City, covering a range of topics from cycling to public art to urban agriculture and much, much more. While we've explored issues and topics related to cities, we thought it might be helpful to spend some time focusing on the different actors that impact how we build our cities. So we've developed a multi-part series where I talk to different kinds of city builders about what they do, why they do it, and what unique approaches and challenges they represent. Our hope is that by the end of the series, you'll have some new perspectives on these actors and how to work with them, whether you're a seasoned city builder yourself or just starting to explore the complexity of the places we live. And today's the last episode in our series where we learn from the most important city builder of all, the citizen. For our cities to be resilient and equitable and overall wonderful places, we need citizens to help shape our communities. With day-to-day lived experiences, citizens are experts in city building. And throughout this series, we've heard from many professionals about the importance of the citizen. At the top of the podcast, you heard a clip from our first City Builders series episode about the elected official. That was Calgary's Mayor Nahed Nenshi. Larry Beasley, an urban planner, also discussed the expertise of the citizen. I could never know the details of a place as well as the people who inhabit the place, who live there, who work mm-hmm. there there, who have their families there. But I always say that, uh, you know, if every citizen in Vancouver gave 15 minutes a day to some sort of civic something, the whole city would be completely different. The politics would be different. The physical place would be different. The organizations would be different. The funding would be different. Everything. Today, we hear from a series of citizens across Canada who spend at least 15 minutes a day, if not a heck of a lot more, being involved with their community. These folks are active in a variety of ways, from making masks for neighbors during COVID-19 to starting a market to connect the community and banding together to fight for housing as a human right. It's important to remember that to be an active citizen, no action is too small. I'm grateful to everyone who shared their story for today's episodes, who are inspired to be involved in their community for a number of reasons. The greatest inspiration for becoming an active citizen in my community derives from the satisfaction of seeing that absolutely anyone can make a difference. Seeing the smile on someone's face when a decision backed by your hard work makes a difference in someone's life, however small it may be, is enough motivation to continue giving back. Hi, my name is Leah Zinga. I work at ATB Financial and I'm a community organizer and I'm inspired to be an 
active citizen in my community because I know that you don't have to change the whole world. You can have one little piece of kindness that changes one person's whole life. And that can really change the world. And it makes it worth it. My name is Cheryl Case. I live in the city of Toronto, born and raised in Etobicoke. What inspires me to be an active citizen in my community? Uh, it's my connection to community. Uh, I'm even thinking about this today, my dad asked me, how am I feeling? And I thought first, first about um, my community and how my community is feeling. And I know my community is not doing very well. Um, there's a lot of anxiety about our safety during these times. And, um, you know, these, these, these anxieties are heightened due to, um, you know, the current threats that we're experiencing to our democracy. However, um, it is important to know that many people have been feeling anxious for for decades, um, you know, people who are um, houseless, people who are lacking in the access to resources required for dignified living. Uh, so that's what keeps me active. It's my, my interest and my empathy for others. Hi there. My name is Adam Camus. I live in Calgary, Alberta. And what inspires me to be an active citizen in my community is the fact that I can actually shape the community I live in. I'm Alex Williams. Something that inspires me is just looking around and seeing people doing things, seeing people put on events, people be social, people start businesses and share their talents and skills with others. It's something that always inspires me to get out and be a part of that energy and a part of that movement. I'm Ryan Foisy. I'm from Calgary, Alberta. Being an active citizen uh, is an investment within my community. Uh, investment for myself, other community members, and future community members. When you step out your front door and listen, you can hear birds, kids playing, sporting events, music. These are all the returns on investment from being that active citizen in your community. Hi, this is Angela. There are so many incredible collective neighbor-powered projects out there in every city, from community gardens to art classes in a park and I think all these projects and even just the day-to-day -day activities and conversations that happen between neighbors are all demonstrations about the possibility of possibilities. Um, I see them as acts of faith about our ability to determine and realize changes in our environment by connecting to each other. My name is Johnny Dibb. I arrived to Toronto 14 years ago and I've lived in Jane and Finch, Barkdale and now Mount Dennis. What inspires me to be an active citizen is that my friends are awesome and that other people in the, in the collective sense, like not just other individuals, but in the collective sense, other people are doing um, the lion's share of the work. So it's not an overwhelming prospect to be, an, to be active. And I be and I, you know, I believe in in my friends. I believe in that collective power for the betterment of humankind, and that's why I'm an active citizen. Now let's hear some citizen stories from across the country. Ali, for example, got involved in grassroots actions to help clean up litter and improve her Calgary neighborhood. I'm Ali McMillan, and I live in the beautiful inner city neighborhood of Bridgeland Riverside in the city of Calgary. I'm inspired to be the change that I want to see in my community. It's one thing to complain about what's wrong or dream about what could be, and another thing entirely, to roll up your sleeves and actually make it happen. A few years ago, I was at a local film fest, and I watched a film called Beware of a Group of Dedicated Amateurs. 
It introduced me to the world of tactical urbanism and how citizens could actively take part in changing their communities, with the best part being you don't have to ask for permission. I was awed by the transformations that citizens achieved in other parts of the world with just simple grassroots local actions. It made a lot of sense to me because after all, who knows best what a place needs than the people who live there. So I decided to undertake my own project in a little lost space in my neighborhood, starting with the simple act of picking up litter under an underpass. Then we were inspired to create duct tape art. Oh yes, duct tape can be used for everything, even placemaking. And eventually adding a $20 ping pong table off Kijiji to finish it off. Gradually, an army of interested neighbors joined in and cared for this forgotten space. And the colors and the seating and the positive activity began to demonstrate to others that this, is a, this place could be something more. And slowly but surely, people started to look at the space in a different way. Other opportunities surfaced. Free astroturf from a sports field being replaced by the city was offered up. Flower pots were constructed from chicken wire and placed on the road, taking back parking spots and creating seating areas. Volunteers painted the entire road surface in a bright, whimsical walk. The newly livened space teamed with kids on scooters, neighbors meeting neighbors for the first time in a new place. Strangers came around just to see what would happen next, what we were up to. Then partners started to come on board local school children, university landscape architecture students, the city, and even the province, leading to a multi-million dollar urban park that's being built as we speak. The point is starting small can lead to something big, but also small simple things can have big impacts. Citizens know the nooks and crannies of their communities, the unique and diverse people who make up its fabric. What is needed? What could be? You just have to take that first step and make it happen. Cheryl does a lot of work in her community, including advocating for how the city can support the black community in a Toronto neighborhood. So I directly work with uh, members of my community in Toronto to um, see for housing as a human right to be entrenched within our policy and practices. So the ways that I do that is by... um, engaging marginalized people in the earliest phases of the design process of um, my programming um, and centering their perspectives in um, the development of solutions and building connections between them and those with access to power and in those conversations Another project that I've been working on actually over the last eight to nine months has been Black Puget on Eglinton. This project is funded by the uh, Federal Ministry of Heritage. In this project, I look at um, how the planning practice can support and encourage Black culture and Black people. Uh, it focuses on the Eglinton Avenue West neighborhood. Uh, so this is work that is very specific to um, the Black community. And as a member of the Black community, it has been a project that I am immensely proud of and um, you know, very thankful for the opportunity to do this work. And I think that more funding should be available and resources available to do this kind of work. Uh, in this project, 
I engaged um, over a hundred, you know, nearly two hundred folks in the community um, in conversations about um, anti-black racism in planning, and then also anti-black racism in terms of the way that they unfortunately have to experience the city as black people. So that includes, you know, threats to their livelihood through the lack of access to resources that enable them to um, engage in um, the city and thrive in their ability to practice their culture. So that can be, um, for example, being able to access retail that is specific and uh, reflects their black heritage, their Caribbean heritage. That can be also, you know, being able to afford housing. Um, one thing of interest in that neighborhood is that, despite the overall population going up, the actual population of Black people in the neighborhood has gone down, and that's because of gentrification. Um, and so, in this project, we really look at culture and its many different facets, and think about um, how we can actually support a planning process and a conversation that you know affirms that Black lives do matter. And we do that through a variety of methods, including surveys, um, also. We did arts-based engagement. We had a lovely set of uh, poetry created by members of the community that were turned into beautiful, beautiful lyric videos. And yeah, it's been a pleasure working with the community on this project. Andrew, Sam, and Victor connect with their community through science, art, and food. This is Andrew Clary. I, for five years, worked as a volunteer terrestrial monitor at the Toronto and Region Conservation Authority. It was really rewarding, and looking back on it, I think I'm glad that, you know, I was able to help participate in science and especially participate in ecology research. As a citizen, I I love to connect and educate others through my art. I've been very lucky to have been gifted wonderful opportunities to collaborate and connect with other creatives and entrepreneurs in our city who really share the same ideals and values that I do. And I think collectively it's it's been amazing to um, come together like that to be able to in, in, in hopes that we encourage and hopefully motivate others to do the same to to find something that they love to find something that means something to them and to really just go for it. Really do your best to to make a difference in the city. Hi, my name is Victor Capella, and what it is that I do is I have helped organize a farmer's market in the Eglinton West area of Midtown Toronto. Uh, the market happens on Sundays, and 
it has been a fairly successful market in that it brings people together that live in our community. And what I mean by this is that the whole reasoning behind the market was not necessarily to bring fresh produce and vegetables to my neighborhood. It was more so to build awareness of who your neighbors are, to have them experience something together, and to get the opportunity just to get together and socialize. Bill has been an active parent and tenant in his community working towards social justice and anti-racism. My name is Bill Worrell and I'm the chair of the Oakwood Vaughn Community Organization. Our community, the Oakwood Vaughn Community, is near, is in the old city of York in Toronto. A part of the Oakwood Vaughn Community is uh, uh, Little Jamaica, which is um, uh, one of the three main world centers of reggae music and a home for many immigrants who came to Canada from the Caribbean, mainly Jamaica, um, in the 60s and 70s. I've always loved doing community building work. I feel I'm making a difference in this world and I feel good about that. Social justice is important to me. We chose to live in this community because for us, as a white family, raising our two daughters in a diverse community was important. I became active as a parent in our local public schools on issues of equity um, for all students and in particular um, on issues related to racism. So I became quite active as a parent, but I also became involved. The other major early involvement in this community was uh, when we formed a tenant association in the building I was living in. We were fighting many unfair practices by the landlord. And in the process, we also built a strong community within our building. It was a powerful learning event for me. I learned a, a lot about working across cultural differences, dealing with racism, and a lot about tenants' rights. Today, we are um, dealing with gentrification and the dispersal of our community, um, and in particular, the dispersal of the um, Caribbean uh, Toronto community. And I am now involved in working on these issues of preserving the rights of tenants and um, working to safeguard the, um, the desires of folks who want to live in this community um, to stay here um, and to make it a fair and just uh, community. So these are, uh, in my opinion, such important issues to address in our urban centers and indeed in many places across Canada. Paul created a website to positively promote his Toronto neighborhood, Jane and Finch. I actually lived nearby there when I was an undergrad student at York University. Hi, my name is Paul Nguyen, and I'm from a neighborhood called Jane and Finch, which is actually an intersection north of the uh, city of Toronto in Ontario, Canada. 
Now, Jane and Finch is uh, a really dense neighborhood. Uh, it's full of uh, high-rise buildings. Uh, it was uh, kind of like a model suburb f- uh, of a lot of low-income housing for you know newcomers to settle down. Uh, unfortunately, you know there wasn't enough uh, like social support and infrastructure to support like the the really dense population there. So you know th- it's been kind of known or built a reputation over the years for being you know like a vulnerable neighborhood where you know there's uh, some poverty and also, you know, uh, gun violence and things of that nature. So, you know, as a kid growing up there, uh, you know, you would kind of hide the fact that you're from Jane and Finch because, uh, you know, it has a bad reputation and people will have, you know, kind of negative ideas about uh, yourself. So what I did is I created a website called janefinch.com and it's basically like almost a virtual tour of the neighborhood and our goal is to promote the neighborhood in a positive manner. So for me, uh, you know, as a youth growing up, I wanted to give a voice to, you know, my fellow peers. And what we did is we made music videos, we made news reports, uh, you know, we just showcased all the beautiful, positive, and wonderful things about the Jane and Finch neighborhood, uh, which is its strength in uh, diversity and multiculturalism. There's so many different uh, people of different colors and backgrounds in Jane and Finch, and you know it's a, it's a really creative hub, hub, and a lot of uh, you know strong and young, talented people. So through the website, I wanted to break down uh, negative stereotypes, especially media stereotypes, because you know anytime there was a problem or uh, a crime or a shooting, Jane and Finch would be in the headlines, and the general public would have a really a negative impression about the neighborhood. So I wanted to do something to counteract that. And that's something that's been a, a passion of mine. I've been doing it uh, for nearly, I think, 16 years. The website opened in 2004. And uh, it's run by a local youth. And they're all volunteers. We don't get paid. It's uh, We don't sell anything. And it's, a, it's a basically a very uh, you know important passion project. So that is what I'm very proud of to contribute uh, you know as a, a citizen in my neighborhood. Maureen promotes her community through a business improvement association. My name is Maureen Sirwa, and I live in Toronto. As chair of the Eglinton Way Business Improvement Area in Midtown Toronto, I support the businesses of my nine-block stretch of Eglinton Avenue West by working with our volunteer board of management and staff to beautify the appearance of our street, as well as promote our area as a great place to visit for shopping, services, and dining. Many people who sent us their stories are involved in communities of recreation and sport. I love promoting physical and mental well-being. And one of my favorite ways to achieve that is through creating opportunities for those to play recreational sports. Hi, my name is Catherine McLeod. I have been an athlete since I was three years old. Giving back through my strength, which is recreational programs and sport, it gives a sense of community that everyone can come together over sport, whether or not they play it, whether or not they know much about it, just because that energy of people who do care about it, who are cheering, is infectious. And that positivity that comes from it is so vital, especially right now when trying to be positive is so difficult. Jacob gets people surfing in landlocked Calgary on the 10th Street Wave. This wave is a spot on the Bow River in the inner city where people can actually surf. The spot's actually a short walk from my house, and every time I see surfers there, I think two things. That looks super cool, but so cold. 
My name is Jacob Kelly Quinlan, and I'm the vice president of the Alberta River Surfing Association. I've always felt like Calgary is a town that you can actually make an impact. As a surfer, I've traveled around the world mostly to uh, sort of beach towns and, and coastal cities. Uh, but I always felt, I always felt like a tourist, but in the sense of nothing ever really felt like home to me. But I also felt like there was just so much culture and history that was already established that it would be almost impossible for me to really make an impact. In Calgary, uh, I've been working with the Surf Association here for uh, just about 15 years. And we've sort of built it from just a group of maybe 10 or 12 surfers who uh, came together uh, around the 10th Street Wave and the wave in the Kananaskis River. We just kind of got together to share surf stories. But through time, we uh, developed a lot of social activities, uh, which turned into a slam festival, which is now an annual music, surf, skate, and art festival. It's really become this this really special thing uh, where we've grown the community to the point where there's lots of newcomers who have come in who may not have ever surfed in the ocean before and who now have the chance to, to learn how to surf on a surfboard but in a river. We work really well with the city of Calgary in terms of uh, putting these events on. Overall, working with the city of Calgary on Slam Festival has been a really positive experience. It's been a lot of work, I will say that, but the thing that I was most surprised about is that I didn't really get a no from the city. And I think that's a really important thing for people to know who have a passion about something or want to start a new project. Um, I don't think the, the city is really in the business of saying no to people, which was, um, it was good to hear. I will say though that there can be a lot of paperwork and a lot of back and forth but what I did end up learning was a lot of these things that are in place are sort of there to protect the people who are organizing the event. In terms of seeing how much growth that we've been able to achieve with the Surf Association and sort of getting excited about the momentum, one thing that I'll say is burnout is definitely real. Um, I don't know if this is the message that you guys are trying to promote in terms of getting uh, people to be engaged in their communities and, and being active citizens. But I think it is an important part of the whole process that if you are going to plan something or if, if you're going to produce something, that um, just accounting for burnout needs to be built into your process. Uh, it's important to know that if you start a project, you might not be able to be able to come out every year and, and be able to give the same effort every year. And I think that that is something that you need to be mindful of. And um, the best advice I can give is to build a really strong team so that you can pass the torch around when you need to. Jeff and Eric connect with their community through skateboarding and dragon boat racing. My name is Jeff Hansen, and I'm an urban planner by trade. And what inspires me to be an active citizen in the community is the same thing that inspired me to become a planner in the first place, which is to create vibrant public spaces 
and encourage people to get out of their homes and into public life and get to know their fellow citizens or neighbors. So I'm a director for the Calgary Association of Skateboarding Enthusiasts. And as an organization, we try to provide community support and development and education for all things skateboarding in Calgary. As a student who didn't have a lot of political or financial power, a far-reaching social circle, or even real hard-hitting skills, what has inspired me to be active in my community is knowing how big of an impact small behavioral changes can have on someone, uh, specifically related to their health. Rather than big institutional top-down changes, most of the impact that I've had in, has been at the individual kind of bottom-up level. Uh, the community I'm most involved in to this capacity is the Dragon Boat Committee through the university team I'm a part of. Uh, it's a unique sport and an equally unique community with people from all walks of life. Uh, you know, it's not directly tied down to a space or place necessarily the way some other sports are, at least in Toronto. Um, but in a way, that's what makes it so great. You know, we share a campus and some facilities, but what's most important is that we share common experiences within our environment. What the Dragon Boat community offered me was not only a sense of belonging, but also a sense of direction. Some folks work with youth, while others make mass or vote with their dollars. The thing is that youths sometimes are not given the same opportunities as they should and are not the same opportunities as adults. And sometimes that makes sense, but I feel like they should be given more opportunities as the, uh, than they're already being given. Specifically to COVID, my um, volunteerism has been because I've had a lot of nurses in my family and I was hearing they needed masks and, and started to make masks which indeed the hospitals couldn't really use homemade masks, but turns out hundreds of friends and family wanted homemade masks. I'm very conscious on where I spend my, my or cast my economic vote. If you're going to live in a place, you might as well make it comfortable and progressive and uh, open to all. Citizens are the experts of their communities, and folks can act in big and small ways to make a difference. Professional city builders, like planners and architects and engineers, should act in service to the community experts rather than being a big smart expert that tells the people exactly what they need. If professional city builders can meaningfully engage with citizens to co-create our cities, the communities will, without a doubt, be stronger and a better place to live. We are so grateful for everyone who shared their story with us on this episode. It's just a small glimpse as to how citizens can be involved in their community. Do you have a story about how you're working to improve where you live? We'd love to hear it. 360 Degree City is created by our team at Intelligent Futures. To learn more about the work we do, go to intelligentfutures.ca. I'm John Lewis. Thanks for stopping by.